We take a look at that uh, reading from Matthew 18 today. These past weeks have expressed a, a lot of uh, focus on children. And when you watch the news, read articles, and you talk to family and friends, we know that the start of the school year, it's a big event, even in a, a normal year. And this year with COVID, COVID's more than just a new common word. It, but also we've got dealing with getting our supplies for school. And it means even more than just the Kleenex box that uh, children might bring in the past. Still, the focus is on learning and on the well-being of each student at home or in school. Today is a good day to really discover why ministry is important to children and to young people, why it's so important. Well, let's go to this gospel reading in Matthew 18 as we consider the words of Jesus on this subject. And we're going to discover three reasons why children are so important to God and to us. And even if you don't have children, listen closely, because this message is also for you. You have to wonder sometimes about the disciples of Jesus. Again and again, they just don't seem to get it. They come at a time and they they ask Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What were they thinking? You know, talk about an odd question. That'd be like asking somebody, you know, who's your favorite star if you're a Blackhawks fan? Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves? And when the disciples, you know, they were Jesus for two years. Where have they been those last two years? Did they really think that that was the kind of question that Jesus would really appreciate? You know, what they wanted to hear, of course, was that they were the greatest, that they were the most important people in the kingdom. And adults, we always want to ask that question. Who's important? Think about magazine covers. You know, the 100 most powerful people in America, or maybe it's Hollywood's hottest couple, the most powerful, fastest-growing companies, the most eligible bachelor. People are always asking the question, who matters? Who's important? The disciples, like the Pharisees, were seeking a position of importance. But being in the kingdom means seeking a lowest state. In that lowest state, we're not trying to build ourselves up. Instead, God picks us up and he uses us for his purpose and glory. Think about these words. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant and has done great things for me. That's what Mary said when the angel Gabriel came and told her that she was going to be the mother of Jesus, our Savior. That's humility being expressed in the most beautiful way. But not the disciples. What they wanted was prestige and power. They didn't want humility. They wanted greatness. And then Jesus pulls a fast one on them. He takes a child from the crowd and he puts that child before them and says, See, Look at this child. He's important. In fact, he's so important that unless you become like him, you're not getting into my kingdom. Well, that wasn't the answer they expected, and it really caught them by surprise. Children in the first century were the ones who were not treated like they are today. 
At that time, they were not valued. In fact, they were looked at as the family's personal property. They were expected to help with work so that food could be provided and other things needed for the family. And then later in life, when the children got much older, they were to take care of their parents, who would then be at an advanced age. First, it's necessary to underscore the fact that Jesus is not saying that if people did not become like children, that they would not be saved. Our salvation does not rest on our own actions. We know it's solely by the cross of Christ and by the grace of God. Jesus is saying that becoming childlike is to then experience kingdom life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus mean when he tells his followers that they, may, they must become like children? Well, many scholars and commentators believe that, that Jesus was highlighting the people's need to understand the limits of their control. Children don't have a great amount of control over the situations in their lives. They run, they laugh, they celebrate life within the control of their parents. Children also don't have any worries. As I said before, children weren't very important in the culture of Bible times. They had no rights, no status, no economic value, except when they would begin to work. Parents sometimes would leave an unwanted newborn out in the elements of the weather to die. It wasn't a crime then. While boys could be educated, girls weren't. A rabbi would never even consider teaching a a child wasting time like that. That's why on another occasion when people brought little children and babies to Jesus, the disciples, they wanted to turn them away. After all, Jesus is an important person. He doesn't have time to talk to children when there's so many adults waiting to see him. But on that occasion, in this one, Jesus changes the rules. Both times he brings children to the front of the line. Both times he was saying that these are the most important people in the world. Unless you become like them, you will not enter my kingdom. So the first reason I want to share with you is that children are the most likely to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now why is that? What is it about children that makes them so great in God's eyes? Is it their innocence? Well, anybody who knows children knows that they're not innocent. Is it that they're obedient? Well, even the most compliant child is not always obedient. Is it their enthusiasm? Or is it that they're naive? Jesus tells us what it is. He says in Matthew, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Kids are dependent. They're smaller and younger than others around them. They know that they need help and they're not afraid to ask. They may say, Grandma, can you make my lunch? Or, Teacher, how do you spell civilization? (laughs) Uncle Bill, will you fix my bike? Or perhaps even, Mom, I need a ride to the mall. Those questions, those requests, they just roll off their tongue. But so do these. Lord, help me not to be afraid. God, please heal my friend. Jesus, will you forgive my sins from today? 
Kids know their needs. They recognize their limitations. And they're honest about their request to help. And so of all people, Jesus says that the ones who are most likely to turn to God of all people, it's children. They'll turn in repentance and faith, believing in that Savior as he's called them and they've, listened, they've lived with him each day. And that's the first reason children are so important. Because they're most likely to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now we know that faith is present in an infant when they're baptized and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Psychologists tell us that about the age of two, that moral and spiritual development begin to show and become evident. And that by the age of nine, most of the foundations of faith have been laid in a child's life. And most of what a child believes at the age of 13, he or she will believe that for the rest of their life. Several years ago, a psychologist named David Heller was out studying children's attitudes toward God, and he interviewed hundreds of 4-year-olds to 12-year-olds, asking them to draw pictures, to write down letters, ask questions, lots of things about God. And some of them were a bit off the wall, like the 12-year-old who wrote a letter to God saying, Dear God, how is it up there in heaven? How do you like being the big cheese? But he found the common thread running through all of the children. A seven-year-old drew a picture of himself sitting on the floor with God playing a board game. Excuse me. When Heller asked him, what game are you playing? The boy, without blinking, said, the game of life. There was a nine-year-old girl who said, I love God so much, it's hard to put in words. I'd like to be in a palace with him in heaven, but not yet. As the children got older, their responses were more sophisticated, but yet still honest. A 12-year-old said, Dear God, I had exams this week, and I'm nervous about what I got on them. I know you can't help me since they're all done. Or could you? Tell the disciples I said hi. I'll talk to you later. As varied as those responses are from child to child and from age to age, the common thread was the children's readiness to relate to God on a personal basis, to include him in their daily life and experience. There was one statement that came from an eight-year-old who said, I don't know if this is what you're asking, but I feel closest to God when I'm rounding second base after I hit a double. Pollsters and strategists are are now discovering what Jesus told people long ago. And of all people, children are the most likely to express their relationship with God. But notice that Jesus didn't just say that children were most likely to enter the kingdom. He said that they were most likely to be great in the kingdom. Most likely to follow him with all their hearts. Most likely to advance his work in the world. Children are eager to grow in their faith, eager to learn and to serve, And recent studies have revealed that children are the most effective evangelists in the world, in the church. They share their faith freely and easily with others. And they're most likely to invite their friends and family to church. The second reason, when you give priority to a child, you do the same for Christ. Children are important because Jesus says in verse 5, 
And whoever welcomes me, oh, I'm sorry, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Again, we ask, what does Jesus mean by this? It's a curious expression. Well, the word welcome is translated also to be receive. It's a hospitality word, describing a person opening their home to guests and visitors and receiving them. Children are so near to Jesus' heart, so important to his work in the world, that when we make room in our hearts for children, we're also making room for Christ. Have you ever invited someone over to your house for dinner, and when you open the door, you discover that they've got a friend with them? Well, that's how it is with kids. When we open our home or our church to a child, Jesus is there with them. He enters with that child, and he brings blessing and fullness in our lives. Even our meal prayers. In those prayers, many of us pray, Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. It's true that God does that on a personal level, but he also does it for churches, too. The researcher George Barna, who you've heard about before, he's been studying churches for at least 20 years, learning what makes them effective. But he confesses that it wasn't until recently that he finally made the connection that the most effective churches, the ones that he studied, they were always the most intentional about reaching and discipling children. And it wasn't just because when you serve children well, that you get the rest of their families to come along. That's really a a spiritual principle that's at work when we're doing ministry for the children. That when a church makes room for children who are so important to God, that the church is also making room for God to move in powerful and fresh new ways so that we can do his work together as one family. When a church is committed to reaching children and teenagers, it really breathes life and vitality throughout the whole church. You know why? Well, if you're going to reach kids, you're going to have to be relevant. Because otherwise, they're not going to stick around very long. If you're going to reach kids, you have to be honest. Because they can smell a phony a mile away. If you want to reach kids, you've got to be friendly Because kids won't hang around if they're not wanted. If you're going to reach kids, you're going to have to relax. Because sometimes they may knock over the furniture once in a while. But there's also a warning here in verse 6. Jesus says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for this person to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's one of the most frightening statements Jesus ever makes in Scripture. Those who put stumbling blocks in the paths of children, who make it harder for the children to know and follow Christ, really put themselves as well as the children in spiritual danger. And there is a warning here to the church, certainly not to neglect our responsibility to nurture the faith of children. And there's a warning to society as well to ensure the physical, emotional, and spiritual welfare of children. And so we get concerned about children being hurried into adulthood. 
We're concerned about children who have turned into impatient consumers wanting to have the newest iPhone or Xbox. We're concerned about movies and TV shows that exploit kids' curiosity about sexuality or violence or horror. We're concerned that dysfunction within a family can take a toll on the emotional well-being of their child or children. Jesus is reminding us that children are the most vulnerable members of society. And when we fail to nurture and protect and lead them toward God, that we are failing in the worst way. That's why the church must be a place where children are welcome. Third, reaching lost people, including children, is God's highest priority. And Jesus concludes this teaching with a parable, a short story that he has told before, but this time he adds a little twist. It's a story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go off and search for that one sheep that's wandered away. It's a story that communicates God's love for lost people, people who don't know him, the readiness to go at any length necessary to rescue them, even to the point of sending his own son to seek and save them at the cost of his own life. He did that at Calvary's cross. The shepherd has a hundred sheep, we know. One's missing, and he goes and finds the sheep and rejoices greatly, even more so than the 99 that he still has with him. Why? Each sheep is valuable. Each child of God is valuable. Each of you worshiping here, or those later today at a distance, are valuable to God. The shepherd rejoices because that sheep was not where it should be. But now it's back. It's united with the family. The flock is unified. They are one. Now, they're not number one. They're one. Trying to be number one and doing what it wanted to do or what I want to do or what you want to do, well, that's what got that sheep in trouble in the first place. But this time Jesus adds a twist to the end of that story. He says, in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should perish. Jesus is passionate about seeking and saving lost people. He's especially passionate about those lost children. Why? Perhaps because children are the most vulnerable in society. The most likely to be neglected or exploited or overlooked. Perhaps it's that children are the most receptive of all people. The most likely to admit their need and to receive God's love and leadership in their lives. Perhaps it's because God just loves kids. Whatever the reason, this story suggests that our heart for reaching lost people is tested by our heart for reaching children. Because reaching lost people, including children, is God's top priority. How can it be anything else less for us? Jesus is reminding his followers that God seeks to have a parental relationship with us. God is more than our Lord, our Savior, and our friend. He's our provider and protector. 
That's how parents are to be, to be called for their children. It would be good for us to focus our attention on how God moves as a parent in us and for us, providing for us and protecting us. And as we ponder that relationship with God, for, with us, we can give thanks because God has adopted us into his family through baptism or through the hearing of the word later in our life. And that God is graciously involved in our lives. We know that God is in control. May our hearts reflect that heart of God in our lives each day that we live. In his name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen.